just recently, different people are saying the same things, or so it seems to me. A couple of weeks ago, Jonathan Williams was preaching a sermon on 1 Kings 18 about rebuilding the altar of the Lord, going back to that time, 3,000 odd years ago or whenever. Um, the religion in Israel had been corrupted and people were following other Baals, other gods, and not Yahweh, the true God. And the message from Elijah was, return to God and rebuild the altar. Come back to your real faith. Um, and that was a powerful message. Last week I found myself preaching about discipleship, what it meant to follow Jesus. And I really hit my, um, impacted myself when I realised what it meant to be a disciple in Jesus' days. It was the best of the best of the best for 15 years living with the rabbi and then at the end of that process being qualified to be as the rabbi was, having been a disciple in learning what the rabbi thought, what the rabbi would do and being, spending time with the rabbi. And in a sense St James is not broken, is not um, in need of, of great repair, but something's gone. The embers are dying down. We've lost our first love. Um, I'm drinking coffee and it's lovely and it's hot and I like it. But leave it for half an hour and taste it and it'll be tepid. Yuck! And there's a bit of that around St James. We've lost our first love. We're a bit off the boil. It's tepid. We're not there. And the thing about this is that it's not St James as an institution. And I started thinking, it's my fault, I'm the person who needs to stir it all up. Actually, St James is made up of a lot of individuals. And this is personal, because it affects you and me and our walk with the Lord. Now, back to the discipleship thing, there were three elements in being a disciple. The first one was actually knowing the mind of the rabbi. The second one was being with the rabbi. And the third one was doing what the rabbi did. And I have now changed our mega planner, which we did about three months ago, so that we're going to focus on these elements of discipleship today and the next two weeks. And today it's knowing what Jesus knows, knowing the mind of Christ. It's not new this. There was a, a teacher who went up to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment in the law? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. So it's actually a learning process. Now let me ask you a couple of questions. If naught is zero, completely stagnant, and ten is on fire and fully working, how active is your secular mind? You know, interacting with the news, interacting with current affairs, interacting with your work or whatever, where would you score it? Naught, completely stagnant, switched off, you don't engage your mind at all. Ten really alive. What's your score? Okay. Now, the same question for your spiritual mind. Naught is completely stagnant. Ten is completely switched on and alert. What do you score that? Now, actually, that's a false separation because we've only got one mind, haven't we? But what I want to ask is, which element of those two, the secular or the spiritual, dominates your thinking? And I guess for many people, it's actually that secular element that feeds your minds rather than the spiritual. And it's both that's needed, isn't it, by the renewing of our mind. And I'm not talking about academic ability. 
I did a funeral earlier the week and um, up in Manchester and renewed friendship with some people up there um, and one of them, Patrick, has just become the, the head of sixth form at MGS, Manchester Grammar School. Really bright, amazing uh, an incredible mind and I just look at myself in comparison and think I'm useless, I'm, I'm just nowhere on the, on the scale compared to Patrick and Joyce. But actually this renewing the mind is not about academic ability. It affects all of us. The way we think, the way we apply, the way we review. I suppose the Bible calls it wisdom. How is your mind being renewed? Because I think this is the starting point for our discipleship, for our walk with Jesus. The expert in the law asked Jesus what commandment he had to keep. Jesus said, you need to love God through heart, soul and mind. The renewing of your mind is really important. I suppose it's faith-seeking understanding, isn't it? But are we renewing our minds? With closed minds, the danger is we become religious fanatics or we become totally irrelevant. And there are examples of both around the place. Islamic, Jewish, possibly Christian fanatics. And their mind is switched off and other people have their minds switched off to things of God and they're irrelevant, totally irrelevant. Let me give you a quote by a guy called Herman. Of all the things which mitigate, mitigate against the spiritual life, none is more disastrous and far-reaching in its effect than the divorce of thought from devotion. Goodness, we need to renew our minds. Let me undergird this by looking at two verses of scripture. The first scripture is Romans, Romans 12. Very familiar, I guess, to many of us, but just listen as if for the first time. And it starts off, therefore, because of all the teaching that's gone on in Romans up to this point. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And that's familiar, isn't it? So all that I am, all that I think, all that I do is my act of worship to God. It's not just Sundays, it's, it's my life. And then it goes on, do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world. Well, all right, so it's about being transformed, about being changed, about being salt, about being light, about being yeast, affecting the environment of which we're a part and not being dominated and conformed to it. All right, but how? And this is the bit to focus on. But be, that's ongoing, and the Greek present tense in, um, means on and on and on, and it's not one particular action. It's an ongoing attitude that we have. Be transformed, be changed, become something different. That's the sense of it. Go through a, a, a metamorphosis, a complete change. How? By the renewing of your mind. Goodness. Paul, writing to Romans, could have spoken about lots of, of things, but he said, your mind's really important. And if your mind is changed, is transformed, and in an ongoing way, then your life will be changed as well. How you think is critically important. And he then em emphasises the outworking of that. And with a transformed mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Your mind allows you to discern God's will in you and for you. If it's stagnating, 
then you're not able to discern God's will and you're not able to please him. That is powerful stuff, isn't it? Let me give you another quote, see if this one connects. It's by a guy called W.E. Sangster. No man is changed till his mind is changed. We do most of our thinking within. Our deeds express our thoughts. It is into our minds that Christ must come, if he's to change our lives. For through our minds, he will shape our character, discipline our will, and control our bodies. Through our minds, God will shape us, discipline, and control us. And the really scary thing here is, or not, if we don't actually cultivate and feed our minds with godly things. The second verse I want to go to goes way back to Solomon. Actually, it's David um, referring to Solomon. Um, and this goes way back into the history of Israel. David speaks, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father, serve him with wholehearted dev devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. The two things that speak out to me or shout out to me there. My mind, is it a willing mind? Is it something that wants actually to be transformed and changed into a godly mind with his wisdom that will then shape my life and make my life a life of devotion to God? Or not? And secondly, secondly, I can get swamped by this and think it's too much, I can't do it. But that verse is really encouraging because if we seek him, even with that little bit of intent that we have, he will be found by you, by God. God will find us if we just have that intention to seek him. So the question is, do you have that intention to renew your mind? Do you want to? Because if so, it'll not only transform your life, it'll transform the life of this church as all of us go on this journey together. And that is my heart's desire. And how? There are several things we can do. So how can we renew our minds? I think there are four things that we can do. What are you feeding your mind on? That's not a totally stupid question. We feed our minds constantly with the papers, with the radio, with the television, with what we listen to on the, the iPlayer or, or iPods or, or whatever. The books that you read. What are you feeding your mind on? What's the input going in? We've got two children, and I remember when they, they were small, we used to feed them, take great care. You know, I think it was my looper um, and various other things we used to, to shovel down them. But only the best would do, because what we fed them actually would build them and nurture them. What are you feeding your mind to build and nurture it? Is it things of God? When was the last time you read a good Christian book? When was the last time you had a good spiritual discussion with someone, teasing things out, discovering, learning, 
absorbing. Because if you're not actually feeding your mind, if it's got bland dribble, or actually other things, secular thought, I'm not shutting my mind to these things, but actually what am I choosing to dwell on? Sexual Im immorality, and I'm not harping on about sex here, but actually what are you feeding it? That's really important. It's what you allow going into your mind will shape it. What about that for you? What are you feeding your mind on? And are you exercising your mind? Are you taking everything at face value? With food, you chew it. Sure, a baby first of all gets that slush, you know, my lupa or whatever, and then gradually you give the baby solids. Very gradually, so the baby learns to chew, and in chewing, get the food nourishment in. Are you chewing the things that you're feeding your mind on? Are you doing that alone? Are you using a spiritual journal to reflect, to let God guide you into truth? Are you in a group discussing things? Are you actually willing to come up to whoever's preaching, come up to me and say, John, what about this? Let's explore that. Had you thought about the other? Why do we just switch off our minds so often on spiritual things rather than engage? Chew the food, absorb it, get the last ounce of um, benefit from it. Why? We need to feed, we need to chew, and then we need to digest. Chewing is not just enough. It's got to go somewhere. Just as physical food goes into your stomach, absorbed by your body, into the bloodstream, providing energy so that you can move and whatever. So the spiritual things that we feed on, that we chew, that we then digest, need to be lived out in our lives. And if they're not, there's that H word that Jesus was really livid whenever he came across. Hypocrisy. Believing and saying one thing and doing totally different or nothing at all. Goodness. Hypocrisy. That gets a violent reaction from God. I remember once when I was ill at Christmas, I had a bug that gave me projectile vomiting and about 12 foot was the maximum distance I reached. And that is the reaction that God has to hypocrisy. So we've got feeding, chewing, digesting, living out in our lives. And we can ask God for help to renew our minds. And he has promised to help us as we seek him. That lovely passage, the book of James, by the way, we're looking at James in November. We're going all the way through it up to Advent and doing a chapter each week. But here's a, a little bit of um, a foretaste, a paratif or whatever. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without full finding fault, and it will be given to him. Goodness. Ask God for help in this renewing of our mind. Here's a, a, a practical quote from someone called Charles Kingsley. How can we attain the blessed and noble state of mind, the mind of Christ, who must needs be about his father's business, which is doing good? Only by prayer and practice. There is no more use in praying without practicing than there is in practicing without praying. 
You cannot learn to walk without walking, no more than you can learn to do good without trying to do good. Ask God, pray and practice, and our minds will be renewed, and it's progressive and it's continual. And as we do it more and more, we'll think, that's God, or that's not God. And our mind gradually is transformed. And then we can discern what is of God and feed our mind on those things and live those things and do those things. And it starts with our minds. And I keep on wanting to come back and say, are you going to do it? For your sake, yes. For the sake of St. James's and the sake of the gospel here. Will you feed your mind on godly things? Will you chew it with others? Will you digest it and live it out? Will you pray it and ask God's help in doing that? Will you? And in our prayers, let's pray for the Holy Spirit to renew our minds, to open new insights and discover new ways of thinking, of being, of living. I guess I want to say keep questioning, keep searching until the Holy Spirit gives you peace about something. And if people give you half-baked answers or answers that don't satisfy, keep on searching, keep on thinking, keep on looking until the Spirit leads you into that place of peace and you think, that's God. And copy godly people and ignore half-godly people. Do you know what I mean? Because this is a process. And God promised that the Holy Spirit would guide us when we ask him. John 16 verse 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you. And I know myself that when I struggle, when I search, when I question, when I discuss, when I explore something, and sometimes the difficult things on and on and on, then the answer will come with that peace, that assurance from God. That's him. The renewing of the mind sometimes happens by exercise, by struggle, by striving. You also need to have a humble spirit. Listen to Paul in Romans. Those who live according to sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. What do you desire? To have a godly transformed mind, knowing the things of God, living the things of God, being changed into the people of God, or not. Have a humble spirit. And ask Jesus to help you understand, particularly scripture. There's that lovely bit in Luke's Gospel, the disciples being a bit confused and people being confused. And then there's this explanation. Then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand scriptures. That sense of Jesus helping people, that sort of aha moment, I got it. By the thinking, helped by Jesus in understanding the reality and bringing scriptures alive in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we go along this process, as we actually have our minds transformed, Paul said a really radical thing to the Corinthian church, that collectively, but we have the mind of Christ. 
but actually by being transformed individually and as a people, together to know the mind of Christ. One of the things that bothers me about St James, you know, is we don't have a bookstall. And at various times in the past I've said anyone got the space to organise one, and Richard Morris used to, to plug books and, um, and stimulate thinking. I actually really miss that for two things. One is because books are a brilliant way of feeding the mind and changing lives. And that's the whole vision of the charity Wesley Owen. When was the last time you read a Christian book and interacted and let it feed your soul? And second reason I don't like us not having a bookstall is actually that we're not there to encourage each other, to stimulate this process, to actually say to them, have you read that? It's brilliant. Or try that or don't try that, it didn't connect with me. The renewing of the mind and the material for that is often through books. And if anyone feels God is prompting you to run a bookstall in St James, queue up and see me. I'd love to see you. Home groups is another thing you know. In home groups, it's a way of challenging each other, of actually sharpening each other's minds. And sometimes home groups, and I'm about to offend some people, St James's Fellowship, can be deadly, can be a waste of space. And sometimes they can be a way of godly, sharpening the mind and being transformed through each other and through that process. It's a framework that you can use, if you choose. William Temple, the penultimate quote. The mind grows always by intercourse with a mind more mature than itself. That is the secret of all teaching. Initially I was going to shy away from the word intercourse, thinking, hang on, you can't bring sex into this. But actually, look what he's saying. The mind grows always by intercourse with a mind more mature than itself, working together, bouncing off, interacting. Will you do that with another mind? And stimulate this renewal of the mind in you? And the last thing about our minds, again, is the final quote from William, Tem William Barclay. There's a paradox in the human situation. God gave man a mind, and it's man's duty to use that mind to think to the very limits of human thought. But it's also true that there are times when the mind can only go so far, and when that limit is reached, all that's left to accept and adore. Because one day in heaven we'll see God face to face, and all mysteries will be resolved. But for now some mysteries will be left on earth. But that is not an excuse to disengage the brain, to be in neutral and to say it doesn't matter and live a bland Christian life. It's not. The kingdom of God is worth more than that in this place, in you and in me. And together we form the body of Christ and, pro and proclaim and live and embody the kingdom in this place for others. And by the renewing of our minds, we can actually be stimulated in that process, in our discipleship with God. And I've got one question to ask myself and each of us as we finish. What is God saying to you about this? 
And yes, I feel passionately about it, because I do not want a tepid, lukewarm fellowship. I want a fellowship that is stimulating and seeking God, with our minds being transformed and renewed and lived out in lives. And in that way, to glorify God. To God be glory, glory always, in the church and in Christ Jesus now and for eternity.